We are recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We wish to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend our respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. Hi everybody, I'm Priscilla. And I'm Elise. Welcome to Novel Feelings, where we discuss representations of mental health issues in fiction novels. And today we're really excited to be reviewing You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. And we are also joined by special guests, Ali and Hallie from the Read It Next podcast. Welcome. Hi, Hello. Thank you. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's good. It's good. We're doing pretty good over here. So we're recording um, on a Saturday morning, our time, late Friday night, Ali and Hallie's time. <laughs> yes. So uh, dealing with time differences and probably different fatigue levels. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ali and Hallie, tell us a little bit about yourselves and about your podcast as well. Sure. So we met our freshman year of college and we just kind of figured out that we were both really big book readers and it got to the point where we were just hanging out in my dorm room all the time and just read books in the dark. And we had a of- reading party, as we called it. Yeah, like we had a whole playlist <laughs> and everything. <laughs> that oh, is the cutest awesome. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but um, a few of our friends thought it was like kind of weird because they're like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're, just re- you're just reading in the dark. I'm like, yeah. But of course, with quarantine, like we've just been reading a ton more and we would FaceTime each other and talk about books forever on FaceTime. And one day my mom just like walked out and she's like, you guys should just do something productive with this and like start a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we did. That is what we did. Um, She said it one night and then literally like the next day we were researching how to start a podcast so that's cool (laughs) and here we are now (laughs) wow so so when did read it next start it started last september yeah yeah (laughs) amazing Mm. and so you both have been i think really productive in terms of the number of episodes that you've been able to put out and interviews as well um and what sort of books do you typically like to cover in your review episodes I know we mainly stick a lot to young adult, new adult fantasy, but I know we also try to break out and do more contemporary or anything that's really popular in the media currently. Um, But I know for the most part, it's been mainly fantasy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, of course, previously collaborated on The Cruel Prince, which was really exciting. Yeah, that was fun. I was so happy to have you guys on. I was so extremely nervous. I am just super nervous talking to strangers but i (laughs) as one might be yeah Yeah. um but no it was such a pleasure having you guys on i had such a great time i realized like once we had finished i'm like oh my god we talked for three hours about books and it was (laughs) incredible (laughs) i was also just really excited to be able to talk about the cruel prince because you know the books that we cover as part of novel feelings are you know, obviously around mental health um, mm. and psychology. And The Cruel Prince is probably a little bit too far outside of our normal books <laughs> that we would cover for our podcast. But I love that book so much. So it was really great to be able to talk about it with you and to share all of my fangirling opinions <laughs> on the story. <laughs> um, so before we get started on our review, we'll just give a couple of quick disclaimers. So first of all, we are a spoiler podcast. Don't listen if you don't want to know what happens in You Should See Me in a Crown. 
Second of all, this podcast should not be taken as therapeutic advice. And finally, we're speaking today as psychologists and or book lovers, not necessarily from lived experience. Our voices are always going to be limited this way. Although I'll acknowledge that, you know, I'm going to speaking today a little bit about my experience with anxiety and how this relates, um, some of the similarities with this story and some of the differences. But in any case, stay tuned at the end of this episode for some more information about these issues, including writing from people with lived experience. All right. So just a little bit about the author. Leah Johnson is an author of award-winning books for children and young adults. Her best-selling debut YA novel, You Should See Me in a Crown, was a Stonewall honor book, the inaugural Reese's Book Club YA pick, and named Best Book of the Year by Amazon Kirkus, Mary Claire, Publishers Weekly, and New York Public Library. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, isn't a it? big list, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Leah's essays and cultural criticism can be found in Teen Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and Cosmopolitan, among others. Her sophomore <laughs> novel, Rise to the Sun, is forthcoming from Scholastic in 2021. And so a brief recap slash summary of the book. So Liz has always believed she's too black, too poor, too awkward to shine. She's planned an escape route from her small town via an uber elite college, but has no money to get there until she's reminded of her school scholarship for prom king and queen. Liz fears the spotlight, but must face the gauntlet of social media trolls and catty competitors. The only thing that makes it halfway bearable is a new girl in school, Mac. She's smart funny, and just as much of an outsider as Liz. The Mac is also in the running for Queen. Will falling for the competition keep Liz from her dreams or make them come true? So let's talk a bit about why we chose this book. Um, it's pretty popular as that list of awards <laughs> and honours. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got a pretty good anxiety rep, which we will get into later as we talk about the plot. Yeah, and you know, I originally picked this up just spontaneously from Kmart at the end of 2020 and read it and then thought this would actually be really interesting for us to cover on the show. And then when the opportunity came up to uh, have a, another collaboration with Hallie and Ali, who have actually, you know, been to a high school in America, <laughs> um, we thought it would be really interesting to get your perspective on some of the contents in this book. And, you know, as Australians, we're pretty fascinated by prom culture <laughs> so <laughs> it's not really a thing here uh so yeah Australian high schools typically have school formals but they're nowhere near this elaborate um you know my high school for example we had a year 11 and year 12 senior formal so that's like I think junior and senior equivalents but it wasn't um you know extremely formal it was more like a party there was no expectation to bring a date or anything like that no ball gowns no, <laughs> definitely no scholarships for winning any king and queen at the end and we also had a debutante ball which I chose not to go to but it was it was a pretty big thing in my school where you know everyone's wearing their white dresses and are quote-unquote presented to society and it's all a bit of bullshit in my opinion, yeah. but it seemed fun for people who did go. <laughs> Pretty archaic. Yeah. Uh, but that's definitely not a thing at every school. That was just my school. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd love to learn what it was like for your school. So um, yeah. Priscilla, what was it like in Indonesia? Um, school dances were absolutely not a thing when I was growing up. Um, we had a, a quote, prom, unquote, at one stage when I was in high school. But from memory, it was definitely... 
a very casual sort of party slash get together at school. No ball gowns were involved. No dates were expected. And de- definitely no prom king or queen as well. Um, <laughs> also no dancing. Like we just didn't do that. Um, so yeah, the whole prom culture is, was always something that I only ever saw in American TV shows or movies. Yeah. So we had we did have dancing at ours, but there were no no formal dancing, no slow dancing. <laughs> it was just kind of upbeat party music, like the sort of thing you'd have in a in a club, except everyone was sober and you know seventeen. So, <laughs> well, I say that I can't guarantee everyone was sober, but I know I was. So it was you know all just our adolescent awkwardness at play. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about you two? What was it like? Well, I know in my school it was it was decently big. Everyone looks forward to it. We got the seniors and juniors who go, we get our day off essentially. So if you go to prom, you have the day off to go get your hair done, your nails done. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups of like what you're wearing, all that, and like prom proposals where people will go into the classrooms and do the whole thing and disrupt the class. Um, I know my prom definitely wasn't as big as some other proms across the country. Like this book was focused in the South and in the South, it's a major thing. Mm -hmm. Um, we're a lot more lax. Our prom queen and king were chosen by our venue, like servers. They just kind of looked out in the crowd and was like, them. (laughs) Um, but it was still a decently big thing. I know we especially look more forward to the after parties. So that was mine. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go to my prom for the most entitled <laughs> asinine reason ever. It's quite embarrassing to be completely honest with you. But um, Ali and I were talking about this earlier. Like there is a, a huge difference between proms across the country in America, like East Coast proms. It's definitely like more focused on your after party. Like, are you going to the shore or are you going to the Hamptons like who's going to be in your house while us in the south like it is it's an ordeal like people spend months and months and months mm-hmm. planning it. it it's a lot going on but from the pictures I saw on Facebook that night everyone seemed to have a really great time <laughs> but, well, well good yeah. for them good for them yeah I I was I was never really interested in going like to prom my mom was like why aren't you going I'm like I don't want to go like I don't talk to these people on a daily basis why would I want to go hang out with them during my free time Mm, fair enough and my head was so far like into college at that point because it's at the end of the year (laughs) I imagine the experience is very dependent on who you go with and Mm. how close your friends are and how fun they're going to make it for you that's definitely true so what we're covering today includes some mental health issues Uh, particularly anxiety and panic attacks and how they relate to the experiences or the environment around an individual. Other content notes include homophobia slash heteronormativity, chronic illness, particularly sickle cell anemia, death of a parent, and racism. Alrighty, well, uh, let's, let's get started with our recap. So we meet Liz Lightly of Campbell County, Indiana. Liz is described as a tall, black, high-achieving high school senior and talented musician with a small group of friends. Her family is struggling financially. and She lives with her grandparents and her brother, Robbie, who has sickle cell anemia. She plays the clarinet and is first chair in her section of the school band. 
Liz has worked hard to get into Pennington over the past four years. She has excellent grades, solid extracurriculars, and she has already been accepted to Pennington itself. However, she needs to receive a scholarship to bridge a 10,000 gap between her savings and the loan she qualifies for. Then she gets a rejection email. She goes to the verge of a panic attack. Her chest starts to constrict, her stomach tightens up like she's about to throw up, and she's having a lot of thoughts about failing people and about Pennington being gone forever. Ooh, strong start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the story is set up pretty quickly in the book with, um, you know, it's devastating news about not receiving the scholarship. And we get a very clear sense of how... um, Liz's circumstances are impacting on her mental health and her anxiety. So we wanted to pause here just briefly to talk about how anxiety is represented in this story. Just a note that Liz isn't officially diagnosed, but her symptoms seem to fit with generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder. Generalized anxiety disorder or GAD um, is kind of a catch-all diagnosis for experiences of intense and um, long-ish term anxiety. So people who have generalized anxiety disorder tend to feel anxious and worried on more days than they don't. Uh, so not just in specific stressful situations that would, you know, cause nervousness, but um, in, in quite a number of situations. And these worries are intense, persistent and interfere with day-to-day life. So people tend to worry about many different aspects of everyday life, such as work, health, family, financial issues, rather than just one issue. And generalized anxiety disorder can be diagnosed if a person has been experiencing this type of anxiety for six months or longer and has a number of cognitive or thought-based symptoms like excessive worrying, but also physical symptoms. And there's a number that you can sort of checklist off and they include things like fatigue, restlessness muscle tension, difficulty sleeping, and so on. So it is quite a, well, it's in the name, isn't it? It's quite a generalized experience (laughs) um, for generalized anxiety. But everybody experiences anxiety, but this diagnosis might be given for someone who's experiencing this intense level of anxiety that starts to get in the way. Yeah, and for an extended period of time as well. Absolutely. In terms of Liz herself, we see a number of characteristics that will line up with this. So Liz's symptoms of anxiety are generally very physical. She often feels like throwing up or passing out. Her stomach churns, her hands shake, and she gets sweaty palms. We get a sense of some of her thought processes that lead to and perpetuate her anxiety. She doesn't feel like she fits in. She dislikes being the center of attention and she worries about some really important things like finances and her family's health, though her thoughts are generally not highlighted as much as the physical symptoms throughout the book. Uh, We also see her experience panic attacks a number of times throughout the book. And Liz's anxiety um, seems to have started after her mother died when she was a child. There's lots of different factors that contribute towards or perpetuate her anxiety throughout the story. So things like financial stress. So obviously we, you know, this this bomb is dropped on her at the start of the story that she hasn't gotten the scholarship and can't afford to go to the college of her dreams. So, you know, naturally that's going to cause a lot of panic. But also things like her brother's illness and um, flare-ups that happen throughout the story, um, difficulty with 
other students at school. Mm. Yeah, basically, she has a lot of very <laughs> realistic things to worry about. And in terms of how she manages her anxiety, so we learn that Liz saw a counsellor after her mother's death and learned a few techniques to help support her, such as breathing more slowly and regularly, some grounding techniques, which are all about kind of bringing you into the, the present moment. We don't really get much of a sense of any sort of thought-based or cognitive techniques that she's using, but she's kind of getting by with the physical techniques and story. Mm. And then we learn more about her anxiety as the story goes on as well. So we'll touch on that throughout the rest of the recap. Cool. So Liz's school, Campbell County High, provides a scholarship to prom kings and queens for outstanding service and community engagement. These scholarships have typically gone to very popular kids within the school. And despite her anxiety about the process, Liz decides to enter for the running. Her brother and friends are supportive, including her friend Gabby, who immediately becomes Liz's campaign manager and really sets things into motion. Gabby is such a force. <laughs> she, is, she is a force. That is one way yeah. to describe her. <laughs> so during an orientation, we learn the rules. Prom court is decided by a point system determined by attendance at a combination of mandatory and volunteer community services events and public appearances over the course of five weeks. The competition is strong, including a number of high-achieving, popular, and very visible students within the school community. So we've already touched on how um, intense prom culture can be in certain areas, but the whole um, getting a scholarship if you win this popularity contest thing seemed kind of ridiculous to me, even though I think it did make for a, you know, an interesting plot, a good story. Um, have you heard of this actually happening? So scholarships if you get prom king and queen? I mean, I haven't heard, personally heard of it, but as far as like culture-wise, I would not even blink twice if yeah. somebody said that they got a scholarship based on that. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it'd be something very realistic, I think, especially in the South, more likely, where mm -hmm. they take it a lot more seriously, where it is almost like a family-run thing. Definitely, especially again in the South, because in the South, you do see like a lot of a lot more parent interactions in the school. Like mm. they take PTA to like a whole other level. They'll do like booster clubs for like football teams and cheerleading teams. So if someone came to me and said that, yeah, I got a $10,000 scholarship for winning prom queen or prom king, I'd be like, cool, what state are you from? Because you're not seeing that up near us, but it, <laughs> it probably has <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. But I guess we have the motivation here for someone like Liz to join. So, yeah, you know, the scholarship definitely. is obviously a big, you know, <laughs> that would be a big deal to somebody who whose family is struggling financially. Well, I get the sense that for a lot of the other students, it's more about like the legacy or the bragging rights that comes from being the prom king or prom queen. Yeah, absolutely. Does anyone brag about being prom king or prom queen after high school, though? Like, I, Oh, you know they do. <laughs> somewhere that's happening. Yeah. People are like, oh, back in my yeah. day. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that would be my assumption too. Um, I also wanted to pause here just to talk a little bit about how Liz's anxieties are coming up through the story too. So one thing I started to realise around this point where the story was being set up and we were seeing Liz's reactions to the prom court system and potentially joining in with the competition, I felt that I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the thoughts themselves that she was experiencing. So 
for a story that was set in the first person, I felt that there were a lot of um, kind of more summaries of the thoughts that she was having, the anxiety she was having, rather than the actual thought patterns or the thoughts themselves that were running through her head. It was a little bit of like an almost tell, don't show in a way. Mm. And there were some, yeah, it wasn't bad by any means. Like it was all kind of accurate and everything, but I really wish I'd seen more things like my own experiences of anxiety where for me, it comes back a lot to worry and rumination. So rumination is when you are going over thought processes or worries again and again and again and have a lot of trouble getting them out of your head. So for me, the common anxiety experience is to be lying in bed thinking about something or worrying about something that might happen or that's going to happen the next day and what could go wrong, what if, what if, what if. And racing thoughts, difficulty with uncertainty, feeling out of control, difficulty letting things go and just kind of moving on. And that's what my personal experience has been like with anxiety on and off throughout the years. And I I kind of would have liked to have seen maybe just like another, you know, 30% intensity when it came to describing her anxiety, just a little bit more about the thoughts themselves. It's a pretty, pretty minor thing, but that just struck me in terms of comparing her experience of anxiety with mine. Yeah, I suppose... What comes to mind as you were talking is the way John Green wrote the the rumination in Thurls All the Way Down. So that was a very excellent representation of how the thought spirals can happen. Yeah, I agree. That that book came to mind as well when I was rereading some of this, um, just how intense his writing could be when it came to describing what was happening in the main character's head in that story and giving you almost that like visceral sense of anxiety the character was experiencing. Yeah, I definitely get that because I know Ally and I feel character emotions so highly. Like we we feel it. But like I think with the writing here, like you saw Liz's anxiety happening, but you didn't really necessarily like you didn't feel it like in the pit of your gut where it's like, oh gosh, like I feel like I'm gonna throw up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely felt a little superficial where mm. it didn't just like you you knew it was happening to her and you felt for her. But because it was just so, like you said, tell not show, it was just kind of like, well, that kind of sucks for her. Mm-hmm. But I didn't personally relate to how she was feeling because I just don't think it delved that deep into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Leah Johnson had gone to that level of detail, maybe it would have shifted the tone of the book away from what they were aiming for. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. you know, the author and the publishers are aiming for. Because this is ultimately quite, a, I think, a, an uplifting yeah. story with yeah. Yeah, it has a happy ending and everything, as I've, as I've mentioned before. So maybe that would have been detrimental to the story to go into that level of detail. But it, it just struck me as someone who has been reading more books about characters with anxiety and, you know, first-person narratives as well, where you do get that sense to actually say, like, here's the actual thought that was running across my mind mm-hmm. um, and here's the next thought and here's how that pattern is going. I feel like we get hints of her core beliefs that underlies her anxiety yeah. so you know feeling like she's just tall and black and queer and that means that she doesn't fit in in this community and probably that everyone will reject her like she's been operating on those beliefs for a few years by the time we we meet her but yeah we never quite dive or stay in that mindset we get glimpses of it when things happen I suppose I feel mm. like the whole book has a vibe of a teen movie. Yes. And it would make such a lovely movie as well because everything's quite visual. And maybe that's part of what the 
the publisher or the author was going for as well. I'd love to see this as a movie. I think it would make a great team movie. Yeah, I think that's literally what I said after I read this to Hallie. I was like, I want to see this as a movie. It's like a fun, almost nicer Mean Girls. Yeah. Like, yeah. High School Musical was what came to mind. Like, yeah, singing, yeah, but that, yeah. that sort of <laughs> cheerful vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. It gives yeah. a lot of Disney original movie vibes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but with much better representation. Like, yeah. <laughs> At this orientation, Liz also meets Amanda McCarthy, a.k.a. Mac. Mac stands up for Liz when another student, Rachel, makes a remark about affirmative action, clearly directed towards Liz. Liz immediately likes Mac because she's a bit weird, but in a way that she understands. Liz also starts to reconnect with another student, Jordan, who is also competing in the prom competition. We learn about their history. The summer before freshman year, Jordan spent two months at a football intensive camp. Then when they saw each other at school, Jordan denied knowing Liz and said he wouldn't hang out with her and his new friends teased her. Liz felt scared, unsure, out of control. Jordan ignored her for several years, or at least Liz thinks he did, but starts to make conversation with her again during the competition. He even helps her with grounding technique at one point, holding her wrist and tapping her heartbeat with his foot. The relationship between Liz and Jordan, I really liked their their friendship in this story. Gotta I say. loved them together. Mm-hmm. Their their yeah. friendship was very, very realistic and very wholesome. I would say. Yeah, I think this is one of the trope that this book successfully subverts. In a typical teen movie, I suppose he would be the romantic lead, but that's not the case here at all. Yeah, yeah, or he would be just like the enemy who. Yeah. <laughs> The bully or something. Yeah. As someone who had a childhood friend who said to her in like the first week of high school, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Oh. Um, I felt this. Like this was, yeah. you know, one of the sections of the book that did definitely get me in the feels because I'm like, oh, I remember what that felt mm. like. It's not something that comes up a lot in stories, I think. Mm. We get a lot of like romantic rejections, but mm-hmm. to actually have a friend break off a friendship I basically remember, like, I took a picture with a friend and she deleted it, like, off Instagram because it didn't get enough likes. And I was like, oh, ah. like, I remember it too. <laughs> it was freshman year of high school and I still remember because I was like, wow, okay. So it really plays on, like, insecurities too. It's like, did I do something to make you not want to be my friend? Especially when Liz says that she started wearing her hair in a tight bun. Mm-hmm. I felt that because, like, for young black girls, like, your hair means so much to you. So, like, to have like her beautiful hair then be tamed the way it was for so long it's like you're cutting off like a part of yourself and it I felt that a lot Mm, that was really sad to read that she had to conceal who she was just in order to like fade into the background Mm -hmm. yeah and so something I really like about this story is how we get the journey of her feeling better about herself expressing herself more and not feeling she has to hide throughout the story Mm, absolutely we also meet Mac as well, who gave me like, I don't know, Avril, Avril Lavigne in 2003 <laughs> vibes. <Very. laughs> oh, I, I like Mac a lot. I think she's a quite a sweet character. And I feel like at that stage, she was sort of the the aspirational character for Liz because Mac's obviously very comfortable with herself and doesn't care if everyone notices her. Like that, that entrance where she just barges in into the orientation. She's like, oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> like pushes through the row. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just like very, very loud and very out there. So then we get 
the rest of the book, so um, which is broken up into sections for each of the weeks before prom, so one week at a time. Mm. So in week one, we get a series of events that start to kick off in preparation for prom. Mm. So we get a trash picking event and a bake-off. Um, throughout this week, we learn more about the other competitors. Uh, one of the students, Rachel, confronts Liz and tells her that prom queen is hers and no one will remember or miss Liz next year. Ooh. Rachel very much being the stereotypical Regina mean George. girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Regina, Regina George. Is a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as you were saying before, Priscilla, you know, the tropes are kind of subverted in this story. So there are other popular kids are actually quite kind to Liz. It's also a bit of reality checking for Liz, I suppose, because we never quite get, she never spells out that she believes everyone in the school hates her or dislikes her in any way. But that's sort of um, an unsaid assumption. And when we meet Clint and other popular girls and boys, that assumption of Liz gets challenged and she gets a bit of reality check, I suppose, in this case. There's week two. Week two starts with a bake sale. During the bake-off, there was a food fight, which, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So Liz was one of those candidates who managed to bake a cake. And she was quite successful with her cake as well. There is also a football match where Liz plays really well. And afterwards, she attends a concert with Mac and they have their first kiss. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much right after this really lovely date, Gabby, as Liz's campaign manager, insists that they need a full overhaul of Liz's appearance. Gabby also voices her dislike that Liz is getting close to Mac. She basically says that no one will vote for Liz if they think she's queer. She tries to backpedal by saying that it's different for Liz because she hides so well the fact that she likes girls. Except... Liz has never tried to hide it, so obviously she's quite hurt by this whole conversation. You also have to wonder how much is Gabby's reaction of how much is it that she wants Liz to be in this perfect lens to the other classmates, and also how much does she actually want to hold on to Liz? She kind of rejects the idea of Liz having other close friendships which mac is becoming and so i feel like this was kind of her attempt to also distance them Mm, yeah that's a good point gabby kind of gave me regina george vibes too because it seems like she Mm. was just always undermining anything liz felt she said to Liz, like you're so good at hiding it's kind of like are you saying that because again like you really care about how it'll perceive me or like what other like unconscious bias do you yourself have? Because mm-hmm. again, like Liz and Gabby at their cores, they come from like two completely different worlds, you know, like Gabby is rich and obviously fits in at their school more than Liz does. So it's like, sure, Liz is your best friend, but then at the same time in like the back of your brain, how much are you hiding that like, of parts that like you don't like about Liz or that like you're judging about Liz that you really don't even acknowledge until like it's thrown in your face like it is here. Mm -hmm. I think Gabby definitely likes to uphold a standard of perfection where Mm -hmm. she likes things put neatly together. She likes to be presented as if everything's going perfect. And I think she kind of 
projects that onto Liz, where Liz also needs to be projecting this picture perfect that Liz really doesn't fit into. Mm. Yeah. And we see that with Gabby pretty much redesigning her whole, Liz's whole look. Mm. I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but Liz said something about how silence and shame are two very different things, but sometimes silence is a lot easier. And I really like that quote. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is The Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find The Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. So at week three, Liz and Mac now referred to as Amanda, which I was going to say, I really love how like she allowed Liz to actually call her by her full name. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. They start the week on a high, but Liz wants to keep their relationship a secret. Plus, Liz hasn't told Amanda the real reason as to why she's running for prom queen as she doesn't want Amanda to know her financial status. Liz starts to feel more confident around the popular kids, including Jordan. And at a party, Liz feels jealous because Amanda is talking to another girl. Liz confronts Amanda with her jealousy, and Amanda is frustrated because Liz doesn't want to be seen in public, yet she is all over Jordan. Liz blurts out that she can't be public about their relationship because she'd never win prom queen. Amanda's hurt, and Liz's anxiety kicks in. Jordan looks after Liz the next day and tells her that he tried to give her a letter apologizing for his behavior after school that day in freshman year, and he'd given the letter to Gabby. Liz never received the letter. Liz confronts her. Gabby told her that she didn't want to lose Liz to Jordan. But all Liz could think about was how Gabby lied and contributed to her second-guessing herself for four years. Oh, I'd be mad too. Yeah, I would <laughs> very mad. made me so angry. I was like, okay, we're not friends with Gabby anymore. <laughs> Gabby, <laughs> no. go kick rocks in the trash. Like, in the yeah, bin. In the trash. <laughs> I was over it. Yeah. This whole scene, like, I'm going to clarify that I don't like Gabby and I wouldn't be friends with her. But she was one of the protagonists. She would be a strong lead character because as she is, we don't get her thoughts or her feelings or the circumstances that might lead to her making these 
really bad choices. Um, but that I think if we did get those things, she would make a strong, flawed character. Mm. It's just that as a best friend, supposed best friend, she's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> She's definitely a very realistic character, especially in high school. The jealousy between friendships, mm -hmm. the way she handles situations. It's very, it's the immature kind of actions that you would see in high school that someone might grow out later mm -hmm. on and be like, that was really crappy of me. But yeah, it, she was definitely really realistic. And I think she's realistic because of her flaws. You also kind of feel bad for her too. Mm -hmm. Because like you, you get like, once you learn about Gabby's like home situation, you're like, oh, okay, I get why you are the way you are. Is it still crappy? hundred percent. Like you mm. should not be treating people like this. But when your home life is like continuously deteriorating and mm. you have no control over it, you kind of just feel like you need to just grab control in any other space that you can. And obviously that was with Liz. She was able to kind mm. of control yeah. a lot of Liz's life. And I think this kind of kicks off a lot of the, well, maybe not entirely kicks off, but may, maybe like the tipping point for some of the changes that happen um, that, that Liz starts to make um, throughout the rest of the story. Yeah. So in week four, Liz decides to start shaking up her campaign. So when she goes back to school on Monday, a banner bearing the words, fuck your fairy tale, hang in the common area. Liz also starts a hashtag on the school's gossip app, hashtag F your fairy tale, about how the system benefits the privilege. The principal threatens to take Liz out of the running for this, but Liz has technically stuck to the rules of the prom competition. Uh, the school puts on a drunk driving simulation in the school parking lot starring the prom candidates. Liz starts to bond with some of the other candidates and she starts to realise that they aren't all like Rachel. Liz feels that she's on the inside of something she never considered she could be inside of. There was a quote, things almost feel normal like they're supposed to be. And for the first time in forever, I feel like I deserve it. And I, I, you know, I like to see her confidence starting to grow here. I thought that was yeah. really nice. Mm -hmm. This is really where the character arc starts to hit. Yeah, definitely. So can I just ask if drum driving simulations are an actual thing anywhere? <laughs> yes, we had one. Oh. Okay. Wow. Yeah, we had to go outside and they chose about 10 popular kids and they hung them all over the car. There's fake blood. They were dead. They, everyone was crying. They were screaming like they were actually dead. And then after we went through that, we had to go to the auditorium where we attended their funerals oh. and had their parents come <laughs> up and actually give them like a monologue like their child is dead. Oh my God. Um, so it's a real thing. Um, <laughs> the things that American high schools will put their students through. So like, like yeah. who on earth thinks it's a good idea to do this to children? I, I just assumed this was like made up for the book. I didn't know that no, was no, no, no. They're, they're very real. It was very yeah, intense. imagine. <laughs> yeah. So going back to this particular uh, week <laughs> in Liz's life, um, I really found the scene with the principal really frustrating so this happened just after that banner saying fuck your fairy tale hangs in the common areas Liz gets pulled into the principal's office with the principal and mademoiselle simone mademoiselle simone <laughs> oh, thank you for the french accent <laughs> uh, that was not a good french accent <laughs> high school french is now with me <laughs> 
Um, so she gets pulled in there with these adults who are saying, you know, how terrible it is that she's using the swear word in front of everyone. Um, and she, like Liz has been pretty clever about this. She's checked the rules. She knows she can't be booted from the competition for this. And she was like, you know, class rank is supposed to count. I'm like fully qualified in that area. You can't actually do anything. And they never actually, well, the adults at this stage never address the principle behind the banner. They just re are really focused on the presentation of it. And I really love this little snippet. Did you know that you have the chance to be the first Black queen in Campbell history? I swallow. I did know that. Of course I knew that. But I don't like it being held against me. I don't like the implication in her tone. You could make history if you just follow our rules. You could be a real credit to your people if you just straighten up and fly right. You could actually be worth something if you would shut up and take what we give you. Yeah, I feel like that's a really powerful um, little summary there about what some of these unspoken implications are of people saying, you know, just sit down and follow the rules. Yeah, I remember highlighting that part because she was like hit the nail on the head. Like, no shit, she's going to be the first black prom queen in Campbell history. Like, no one is debating that. But to hold that against her, like it's emotional blackmail. It feels like like, mm -hmm. you know, that Liz isn't has never had an easy time living mm. in this town with these students, with these teachers. And again, you're going to throw it in her face. Like, especially because I liked Mademoiselle Simone up until this point where she said this. And mm. I was like, you're just like the rest of them at this point. You, you don't, you're not seeing how great of a person Liz is. You're seeing the obvious mm. differences in her and highlighting them even more when she's so much more than that definitely so in week five liz apologizes to amanda and explains about the scholarship amanda forgives her and they're on somewhat good terms when liz goes back to school there's a rainbow flag with the words liz lightly is the queen of queers at the same time a video of liz and amanda fighting at jordan's party is uploaded to the app including the parts where they talk about liking girls amanda and liz get called into the principal's office where Principal Wilson tells them that the PTA wants Liz out of the race and that is out of his hands. Eventually, Liz and Amanda are free to go, but they still can't go as dates to the prom. At a dance performance, Liz realizes how many people are supporting her as many people wear t-shirts with the gold crown symbol. Eventually, we learn that Rachel's behind this as she's removed from the race. Gab and Liz make up and Gabby apologizes. Liz receives a phone call Robbie is in the hospital. In conversation with Robbie's doctor, she realizes that Robbie has not been taking his medication and she blames herself for not watching him. Liz contemplates dropping out of the race and then they find out that she's made prom court. Ooh, it's an intense week. What happens in that? Like, <laughs> um, but the miscommunication between um, Liz and Amanda was quite frustrating to read for me because it was like I completely understand why Liz was keeping the reasons for wanting to win prom queen from Amanda but then it's hard to read how jealous she gets or how much she's like you don't understand it's, I'm like well of course she doesn't understand you haven't told her what's going on <laughs> yeah that was super frustrating it was just like if you guys just could 
sit down and communicate your thoughts for two yeah. minutes, I swear you guys would have this all solved. Yeah. And I was like, she's 17. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what was also really frustrating is like when they went on their date, Liz let Amanda pick her up from her house and she doesn't live like in the best part of town. Mm -hmm. So it's like, obviously, Amanda has some inkling that, okay, money is not as flowing as it is for everyone else so i feel like it shouldn't have been such a big deal for liz to say yeah i'm running for the scholarship if like she's already seen your house you know mm -hmm. like that's that's an indicator right there she knows something yeah. so just just tell her the rest like why are we still keeping secrets it yeah. it hurt me so much i'm like this this pain does not need to be happy yeah. <laughs> absolutely and i feel like that after liz apologizes they don't get back together straight away as well because it wasn't a small, really it wasn't a small yeah. fight that they had. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have this hate crime, basically. Oh, legit yeah. hate crime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, again, principle is very frustrating. But I am so glad that Mademoiselle Simone stood up for them in this case. So in week six, Liz finally speaks with her grandma. So her grandmother found out about Liz's campaign. She apologizes for not telling Liz to slow down and assures her that they have some money safe if Liz needs it. Liz's music teacher also tells her that he sent Liz's news arrangement to his old advisor at Pennington and they've agreed to give her another audition. Then prom arrives and Liz and Matt make plans to attend together. Jordan and Liz are crowned king and queen, meaning Liz gets the prom scholarship. Then, before they have their big dance together, Jordan gives Amanda her crown, and Amanda and Liz dance together. Liz kisses her in front of everyone. So I want to get everyone's opinions on this ending. What, what do you all think? <laughs> well, I do think that it was definitely tied up nicely in a bow where everything works out more than perfect in her favor, actually, because not only did she win the scholarship she's actually got the money and she has her music teacher pull in the favor mm. so I do think that overall if I was really invested in this like uh my age book I think I'd be very upset with how perfect this ending is but knowing that this is aimed more towards a younger audience it is kind of like just like the happy ending you would want it does almost seem like this should be a movie where mm -hmm. everything happens in the end and there's confetti going down and they're <laughs> yep. just having their perfect ending and then steam. Yeah. Um, so it is definitely very, very perfect. Um, but I think maybe with the age target, that works. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was a little too neat, but, you know, I don't want to... Like, I like happy endings, mm. don't get me wrong, but I think... You know, to have like she won prom queen in the scholarship and there are backup plans in place and she's back with Amanda and friendships are all resolved and everything. Um, like, you know, of course that like, I didn't solve homophobia or racism <laughs> at the school, but it does it kind of feels like that. It reads like that a little bit, like, you know, happily ever after kind of stuff. And I just think there's a lot of really intense stuff going on that in real life probably wouldn't get wrapped up quite this neatly you know, for example her anxiety seems to have nearly disappeared by the end of the book and 
Although I get that like a lot of it was related to stressful situations that were happening, um, like situational anxiety, her anxiety experience does seem to be quite generalized, like not just about those stressful situations. So in real life, anxiety probably wouldn't go away by the end of this book. Probably like, you know, maybe she has um, anxiety that like comes and goes or ebbs and flows throughout her lifetime. Probably would stick around a bit longer in real life, even if it's lessened at the moment because things are doing, things are going pretty well. Mm. I kind of wish she didn't win the scholarship. Like not because like yeah. she, she didn't eat the money, yeah. but I feel like the scholarship and her t- teacher pulling the favors was like too much. Like mm. we got to pick and choose one. We can't have both. Yeah, I was honestly hoping by the end that maybe Amanda would have won prom queen. And then, you know, it would have worked out in her favor still because her teacher pulled through. She saw mm-hmm. the extra money. And so, you know, we have Amanda, who is also discriminated against, now winning prom queen. And they both have their happy ending. I think that would have worked just as well. Yeah. As a teen movie, I'm happy with that ending. Like, I think seven, yes. yeah, seventeen-year-old me would have been like, "Yeah, that's that's the world I want to live in. That's fine. Ignore reality for a second. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do want you know, young queer black teenagers to to read this and to have their happy endings. Mm, yeah. You know, to have that really positive representation. But mm. yeah, I just I I would suspect that if this was a real life situation, there probably would be a few more layers of challenges that they would need to be overcoming unfortunately yeah I think it is important to have that hopeful representation around you know yes there are homophobia and racism in the world but maybe it's you know in some communities it's not as bad as you think you know we get mentions around you know there are people who aren't that excited about her winning but they seem to be in the minority in this case yeah yeah so I think that summarizes our detailed recap of the book. So let's start talking about our favorite moments and overall star rating. Cool. I love the scene at the gym where it's revealed that the students or most of the students are wearing wizard symbol, the golden crown on the black shirt. It's a bit cheesy, but it's also, you know, again, if it was a scene in a movie, it would probably bring some tears to my eyes, honestly. I also really enjoyed, not because they were fun to read, but because I think they were important to include the scenes in the principal office. Um, I think they are great illustrations of the larger factors and flaws in the system that contribute to Liz's anxiety. What about you, Helly? Well, I did also really enjoy the, like all the students wearing the crown, it mm. kind of made me want to get a crown tattoo. And then I realized I have a crown tattoo already. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I also really loved the date that Liz and Mac went on, especially when it comes out that Mac's cousin is like in Liz's favorite band. I'm like, ah, <laughs> kismet. And I also really just loved the blow up between Liz and Gabby because it was just so real and it was so well deserved and I think it showed that Liz was finally just at her wits end with Gabby and with the whole situation and everything she was doing that's like you you push hard enough that someone's gonna break and I I liked how Liz like finally just stood up to Gabby in that way Mm -hmm. great definitely yeah yeah I mean 
I think my one of my favorite characters in this book was actually Quinn. Um, just because when you're first reading her and you see that she's Rachel's best friend, you're like, oh god, it's gonna be the double like tag team. They're gonna they're gonna come the Gretchen at her. to her Regina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, I was ready for that stereotype to kick in, and then we find out that Quinn is actually super nice and actually was always appreciative of Liz and never really held anything against her. And then we have the ending scene with Quinn where she actually blows up on Rachel at the prom and is like, you're actually a horrible person. I don't like you. And I thought that was really refreshing to see that somebody, especially Quinn, who was her friend, stand up to Rachel. I also really, really enjoyed the party scene at Jordan's. I mean, as tense as it was, I liked Max and um, Liz's kind of explosive moment where everything goes to crap Mm. because they can't communicate and and I think this is like the first scene where we really see that she's becoming comfortable and realizing that she might actually fit into this crowd more than she ever thought and then obviously you have her puking all over Jordan (laughs) which I think is (laughs) super funny (laughs) that was great um my favorite moments probably stretching a bit to call them moments but I think um my favorite parts in this book were the relationship between Liz and Jordan I think it was really nice to see, um, you know, a friendship that broke up because, you know, one one character, one person did hurt the other, but to also see that be resolved and definitely not a moment, but I also really enjoyed how Liz's confidence grew throughout the story. Let's go through our star ratings out of five stars now. So let's go first with... Priscilla. Oh, when I was um, doing this part in our episode plan last night, I was like, yeah, three stars. It's okay. I liked it, but it was just fine. And the more we talked about it, I was like, mm, actually, if I think about this as a cute story slash teen movie, it's a four stars for me. It is cute. It's lovely. And I think there's a lot of hope in it, which can be important these days and age. And it does have really good representations as well of anxiety, but also um, queer characters of color. I really like how Liz's anxiety is linked to systematic or environmental factors that she has to deal with, like racism and poverty. I think sometimes therapy and or therapists tend to focus on the individual making changes to their own lives, you know, do something different or check in with your thoughts and maybe you've looked at the situation wrong. In some cases, the anxiety is actually justified because you're dealing with problematic people or problematic systems. Of course, you'd be anxious if you can't pay for school. As mentioned before, I think this gave me high school musical vibes, and <laughs> which I think means that I would have really loved this as a teenager because I also really loved high school musical as a teenager. Um, I think I, I still like it now, but perhaps I don't quite connect with the characters or the prom culture as much as other people might. Ali, what star rating would you give this? I would give this a 4.5 to a 5. Honestly, I just loved like the wholesomeness of this book. I think it's really important that we show Black and queer characters in this narrative, mm-hmm. that it's not purely, you know, focused on their trauma and going through it it's more of like a happy-go-lucky mm. like you said teen movie 
But this time, you know, she's the star. Yeah. You know, she's not the side character. She's not, you know, just the fill-in. Mm-hmm. She's finally the star. And I thought, I think, especially for a lot of Black queer girls mm-hmm. and just kids in general, this story would be really important to have on their shelves. So, and overall, it was just a really fun, cute story. I read it in one day. I Aww. loved it. I cried in parts because it was just so cute. I I really, for especially for a young adult novel, I think it really can't get much better than this, mm-hmm. especially for contemporary, wholesome, happy novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Helly, what about you? Uh, so... I also read it in one day. I read it on Tuesday. I had a ton of errands to run. And I was like, yeah, they're not getting done today. Um, But (laughs) I give it a five stars just because, or not not even just because, I give it five stars because it is so refreshing to see Black joy, especially in youth. And we we don't see it much. And it hurts. Like, why, why is a Black story always laced with, traumatic event after traumatic event after traumatic event it's not necessary you know and it kind of shines this very dim light on the black american community because not every experience is like that you know like Mm -hmm. let the kids grow up and be happy and be kids and have their kitty drama and that's exactly what we got in this book i wish i had this book when i was in high school it would have made just seeing the cover would have made me feel 10 times better about myself because I see myself in the cover you know Mm -hmm. so I just thought it was like super fun story super important story yeah lovely and Elise what star rating would you get this um so I feel kind of bad going last with because I think my star rating's lower than everyone else's (laughs) but that's I completely agree with what everybody else has said it's just a personal Mm -hmm. connection kind of thing so I gave this 3.5. I rounded it up to four on Goodreads. That was like a round up 3.5, not a round down (laughs) 3.5. So I thought it was really cute. Um, It was a nice romance, fantastic representation. And I do think these characters deserve their happy ending, even if it was a little too neat for my my personal preference as someone who is, you know, of course, outside of this age range now. So it's not really aimed at me and that's okay. Um, I really, I liked it a lot. I just didn't love it. And I think that's because I'm disconnected from the prom culture aspects and it's sort of the anxiety representation lacked a bit of the emotional punch for me. And um, although I felt empathy for the character, it didn't hit me as hard as I found some other representations of anxiety too. And again, everyone's experience of anxiety is different. This is still valid. Um, I just personally would have liked it to have been a little bit more fleshed out but I also think this is a really important story and I would 100% watch this if it was like a Netflix original film or something and yeah I think it has so so much potential to reach audiences and to have a really positive impact so you know kudos to Leah Johnson for a great book definitely definitely Anyway, just briefly, we'll mention some of the resources, information and other perspectives that we'll include on our website. The resources that we'll link to include information about anxiety, so what it is and how to cope with it or to support somebody else who might be experiencing it, as well as information about panic attacks, including links about how to support someone who is experiencing a panic attack from mental health first aid. 
If you like this book and are keen to check out something similar, we also have some recommendations for other fiction novels. So for books with anxiety representation, I would recommend It Sounded Better in My Head by Nina Kenwood. It has stressed me out reading it because the anxiety was like just radiating off the page, but it was really good as well. Um, <laughs> if you would like to read an adult romance, Girl Gone Viral by Alicia Rye also has a character with anxiety and panic disorder. I'd also recommend in terms of anxiety rep within a fluffy storyline or a happy storyline, uh, Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. It's been a number of years since I've read that, but um, the main character in that book experiences um, pretty significant social anxiety throughout the book. When You Are Everything by Ashley Woodfolk. It's all about a friendship breakup with characters who are making very poor choices. Um, not necessarily fun to read, but I don't think we have a lot of YA books focused on friendship. And this was one of the really good ones that I've read. We'll also link to some reviews and writings from other book reviewers who have experience of similar mental health issues. So the first we'll link to is from Ray's Read and Reviews. Um, so Ray really appreciated the anxiety rep and said, the anxiety rep is just chef's kiss. Liz and I <laughs> even have the same twitch. The descriptions of panic attacks were really accurate. As someone who's been battling with anxiety since middle school, I could really relate to those aspects of the story. It was really nice to see that in YA. Uh, we also found a quote from Tara from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, who said, Anxiety representation is another massive plus for me with this book. Liz lives with anxiety and it shows up through fidgeting and stomach problems, among others. As a person with anxiety who didn't have the ability to even understand it until adulthood, I appreciated seeing a teenager who's been given the help she needed. We see her using behavioural techniques to manage it in the moment, which will hopefully help some of the kids who read this book. So, yeah, I agree. Like, it seems like a lot of people really related to that aspect. Yeah. Awesome. And I think that wraps us up for today. All right. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for having us. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so where can we find Read It Next? Where can our listeners tune in if they want to listen to you two? We are available Anywhere you get your podcast, so Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Overcast, there are so many. Um, <laughs> and we are also on Instagram at Read It Next Podcast and Twitter at Read It Next, I think. Um, and also on Goodreads. Um, we are very bad at updating our Goodreads, though working on that <laughs> same <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to have you both on the show thank you so much and um hopefully yeah. we can collaborate again in the future in some way yeah that would be awesome anyway i think that wraps up our episode so mm -hmm. for all of the resources we've mentioned today please check out our website novelfeelings.com where we post episode summaries links to further reading as well as info about getting support for you or someone you care about and if you like us please leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you would like to ask us a question or just have a chat you can send us a message via our website or you can also contact us or follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Goodreads and Instagram at novel underscore feelings everywhere. You can also find me on Bookstagram at pave with books with an express. Thank you so much. And a big thank you to Ellie and Holly from Read It Next for joining us. Catch you next time. See ya. Bye.